0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Konnichi Value. Today, I wanna talk about something that's pressing on all of us. Affordable housing is getting more and more rare in most of the world. Especially in America and Europe recently, we've seen rents skyrocket ever since COVID. And basically, most of us cannot afford our own homes anymore, let alone rent in bigger cities. However, I'm here to tell you something crazy. The city that was once the most expensive city in the world has now one of the cheapest rents in the world compared to how much people earn here. The city I'm talking about is Tokyo. And Tokyo has the most affordable housing of any major city in the G7 and the OECD. How has Tokyo been able to do this? How has Japan been able to create affordable housing while places like America and Europe are struggling with this issue more and more every day? This is what I'm gonna tell you on today's Konichi Value. And also, as I've said before, I think that Japan and Tokyo have some really good real estate investments. So to end up this podcast, I'm gonna give you some good real estate investment trusts, or rates, that you can invest in right now if you think that Japanese real estate is undervalued and will go up. But without further ado, let's start the intro. Tokyo. Perhaps most known for its incredible transit system, futuristic cityscape and amazing food that brings visitors from far and wide is actually the capital for affordable housing. In fact, retail prices in Tokyo over the last 15 years have barely risen by 20%. That's an increase in rent that many Americans, especially in places like New York, are facing in a single year. And when you compare the price to square meters, other big international cities hold the same type of rent increases as New York. Rent in Tokyo is cheaper than every major city with similar amount of wealth, including New York, London, Singapore, Paris, Stockholm, or even Seoul. Why is this? The explanation you might hear from most people is that the declining birth rate of Japan just makes the abundance of housing more and hence rents cheaper. But in fact, Tokyo is growing rapidly. You see, in the past five years, Tokyo has added around 1 million additional people. This is a higher growth rate than New York and London. And yet, as I said before, the rents only rose by around 20%. The simple reason to why this is is because Tokyo has managed to build many, many more houses than New York and London. When you compare the number of households to the number of housing units, Tokyo has had more housing than households every year since 1968, and they continued to build on that surplus. So what happened around 1968 that allowed Tokyo to be the land of housing abundance while American cities continued to stagnate? The story of housing in Tokyo starts with what is known as the Japanese economic miracle. The time between World War II and the end of the Cold War when the Japanese economy exploded. The Japanese surrender in World War II brought about the end of the war and Japan was in pretty bad shape. Tons of domestic industry had been converted during the wartime to create supplies and weapons. Huge conglomerates held monopoly power over the remaining industries. There was major shortage of housing due to air raids and bombings and lack of regulation around land use. After the surrender, the United States and its allies intervened in the Japanese economy. They wrote the new Japanese constitution and they invested money in Japanese societies. Selfishly, perhaps, because they felt that a weak Japanese economy could lead to the rise of communism and secure Russian influence in the region. These investments and reform was the cornerstone of the Japanese economic miracle. Massive public spending, that was previously used for military, was spent on public works and Japan quickly became the second largest economy in the world. As cities and their population grew, lack of regulations created problems through congestion and pollution. The US and international community wasn't just bringing money into Japan. Technological know-how and ways of organizing governments were also exchanged, which influenced the Japanese way of life. Part of this influence was what we know as suburbanization. Tokyo suburbanized because that's what advanced economics did at the time. Cities grew outwards or sprawled as they gained population leading to what is known as urban sprawl. Unchecked growth in cities also caused flight to the suburbs as a lack of regulations led to even more pollution and congestion. The Japanese government was pursuing economic growth at all costs, which led to increased flight to the suburbs because of the extra pollution that the cities had. The population growth was exceeding the housing market, primarily due to poor city planning, something we see in almost all American cities today. However, the Japanese government was quick to respond. You see, in 1968, a new city planning law was passed on a national level with the goal of reforming the city planning process, curbing issues with suburbanization, and providing the foundation of japanese zoning this is the law that changed everything and paved the way for a housing abundance in tokyo since that day japan has a unique system of zoning that you don't really see in the united states or europe at all most cities in the us have complicated systems with hundreds of zones for different uses The Japanese system only has 12 zones, and it encourages mixed uses. Sure, there are a zone that's set aside only for low-rise residential use, for schools, and for intrusive industrial use. But critically, housing can be built on every single other zone. There's a zone for smaller businesses and restaurants, but if you want to build a house there, you can. The same with businesses. There's a zone that allows offices and commercial buildings, but housing is allowed there, too. This is because Japanese zoning is inclusive, and this inclusivity has a few critical effects. First, Tokyo can build a ton of housing almost anywhere. Since 1968, with the national government reforming city planning, Tokyo has had more housing than household. Secondly, this inclusivity has also allowed for higher density. Tokyo can build walkable, mixed-use neighborhoods where public transit is viable, where cafes and small shops exist below apartments, where schools are just around the corner, and where religious sites are all next to train stations. In short, places you would actually want to live in, and most importantly, you can afford to live in. Now let's go back to the US and Europe. New York, which is the densest city in America, has mostly single or two-family-use zoning around even Manhattan. That means that most of New York does not allow for any mixed use. Either it's one family housing or there's massive skyscrapers. Nothing in between. They use a system called Euclidean Zoning. Basically, Euclidean Zoning set aside parts of the city for exclusive single-use housing, retail, commercial, uh, buildings, etc. This isn't just a New York City thing. This is the most common type of zoning in America and most parts of Europe. But what happens when a city follows this pattern of zoning and the housing zones fill up? Well, for example, across New York City, rents are rising as fast as 80% in one year, even for people with multi year contracts. In fact, because there's just no space to build more apartments because of the zoning laws, not because the actual space, the rents are rising so fast that if they continue to rise at this level, only dollar millionaires or billionaires will be left in Manhattan. On top of these insane rent rises, Euclidean zoning also causes urban sprawl increases dependence on cars with increased pollution as a result this also makes neighborhood unwalkable allowing for worse racial segregation make public transit almost an impossibility because houses are so far away from each other etc etc you get my point this is really bad for big cities because of these laws New York City is facing a housing shortage and has some of the most insane rent prices in the world. Looking at the future, it's grim. New York City started construction just under 30,000 new housing units in 2020. During this period, Tokyo started constructing 130,000 units, and the year before, over 140,000 units. One study estimate that the city, New York City that is, would need 560,000 additional housing units by 2030, with an additional need for 227,000 units right now. As Tokyo is growing faster than New York, they could have been in an even more dire situation. But the government and city planners in Japan saw the writing on the wall many, many years ago and change the policies early. So, can the US fix the housing crisis? Can New York be a more livable city for people that are not yet dollar millionaires? Well, you might just think, well, Japan did it, right? So just change the zoning laws in the US and this should be easy peasy, fixable, right? This is known as upzoning. Changing the zone to allow for higher-density or mixed-use buildings? But now you're stumbling upon another way that the Japanese government system is unique and very different from the US one. In Japan, the 12 zoning laws I talked about before are determined by the national government. But in America, the Euclidean zoning system are determined locally. Enter the NIMBY movement. The NIMBY, or not in my backyard movement, is a group of existing residents and homeowners that fight basically any new development. Usually, under the guise of not wanting to change the neighborhood character, these show up at local meetings and oppose new housing often because more housing means the value of their property won't continue to rise. However, in Tokyo, there is no NIMBY movement. Land use rights are determined mostly by the person who owns it. Community input on new housing isn't requested, and nobody expects their opinion on what their neighbor is building to matter. The fact of the matter is that American cities can have affordable housing, it just requires making the right policy choices. In 1968, the Japanese government made those choices, and decades later, Tokyo is the land of housing abundance. Meanwhile, look at any American cities to see the impact of Euclidean zoning rents continue to rise even in mid-sized cities, let alone the biggest cities in the country, a lack of housing is forcing people out of city life completely. More and more Americans are becoming rental cost burdened, and they do so at the pleasure of existing property owners who all too often think that building affordable housing is important as long as they're not built in their backyard. But in Tokyo, houses are being built where people live, whether they want it or not, and the city is better off for it. The sooner American cities can learn this lesson, the better, however, What has made Tokyo so amazing in terms of housing abundance has also made it a very attractive city, not only for Japanese people, but people abroad who just can't see cities like New York and London viable in the long run. Hence, there has been an increased investment from foreigners on Japanese housing. And this has had the abundance housing prices going up. Sure. It can be a negative, but as of now, it still makes Tokyo just build more housing and keep housing relatively affordable, even though the prices are going up. You see, in 2021, the amount of investments by overseas investors reached 1,330 billion Japanese yen. And this is an increase of 30% from the previous year. This is the first time in history The investment amount from foreigners has exceeded 1 trillion Japanese Yen. I have talked about this before, and I've actually created a guide on how you can invest in Japanese housing, which I will link to in the podcast description. Also, I think that if you want to dip your toes in Japanese real estate investments, because it sounds quite interesting, as Tokyo, as you can see, is a very livable city at the moment, much more livable than New York or London, I have included a couple of rates or real estate investment trusts in the podcast show notes and in the article about why Tokyo has affordable housing. So please check them out whenever you have time at konichivalue.com and have a wonderful rest of the day. Goodbye.